everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. Frogs had an off week. They did not play, but it's time to gear up for Purdue. We are going to preview the Purdue game and take a glance back at a lot of big games, especially some of the teams in Texas and in the Big 12, as well as make some big predictions for next week for the Frogs at Purdue, as well as some other games. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. We got some good questions from some of you last week on this prompting, so we want to go ahead and do it again. If you want to make a $25 donation to Team Life, we will get your question up right at the front of the show next week. So go to teamlife.ngo and find ways that you can support through your dollars or through your time this important organization that goes out of their way to encourage and support junior high and high school students in DFW and beyond. It's a great way for you to invest in teenagers that are finding ways to take responsibility for their own life. Get your question right here at the front of the Frogcast. Direct message me, email me. Let me know that you made a, don- a $25 donation to Team Life. We'll get your question on the show. Well, we don't get to start with the Frogs this week. We're going to take a glance back at some of the games that happened uh, this last weekend. I can't believe that I watched the entire game of Michigan and Army. Now, we all know Army gave Oklahoma a run for their money last year, but Oklahoma scored every time they had the ball last year. They just didn't have the ball very much. Army and Michigan into overtime, just like it did in Norman last year. And I got to say, I was disappointed that Army didn't pull it out, number one, because I think Army's a great program and it's fun to pull for those guys because they're a lot smarter and tougher than everyone listening to this show. And number two, I can't stand the Harbaugh bandwagon. So, Jeremy, simple question. If you pulled for Michigan, does that mean you hate America? Absolutely. I mean, I don't I don't even know if you're a Michigan fan how you could pull against Army. I mean, whew. Hey, we all got it right, though. I mean, I could not believe that they got 23 points. Oh, that, that. was the easiest money to make. Yeah, yeah, I could not believe that. No, I mean, I to, to, to be completely honest, this was probably, as crazy as it sounds, I didn't spend a lot of my Saturday yesterday watching college football. I did, I did watch some of it, but this was really the last time I'm going to have a chance to really see my daughter play volleyball this year with – TCU getting into games every week now. I'm going to be out of town quite a bit, so 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 you enjoyed watched, the bye week. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. I watched some some volleyball all day yesterday in uh, Carrollton, and 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 really just caught some glimpses of some games in between time. That's that's the greatness of technology. Now you can watch football on your phone and put your headphones in, and you're 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 good for a day. But uh, I was watching this one. I was watching Michigan and Army, and man, I was pulling for Army like crazy. And man, they almost they almost had it, Jeff. I give props to you. You you picked Army to to uh, cover the spread, and you also told us all that you felt that they would actually have a chance to win that game. And man, you were you were right there on the money. They were they were very close. Turnover late in the game, uh, ruin ruin their upset bid. But man, they just proved once and time and time again, you shouldn't schedule Army if you're a big P five school oh. if you're wanting to make the playoffs because you might get your season ruined in a heartbeat. Yeah, they almost did it to OU last year. They should. They they were even closer this year against Michigan, and they gave. I don't want to say they gave that game away because every close game comes down to one or two plays. They had that interception they threw down there in the red zone. If they wouldn't have run that play, if they wouldn't have thrown yeah. the ball, if they'd have just run the ball, they might have been able to just squeak it out. 
And then, you know, they got into overtime and that's, that's actually tough where Talon is able to take over because when you get down there into the, uh, you know, get into almost on the red zone, the game kind of tightens up and that's where athletes are able to make a little bit better play and Michigan won the game. And that's the bottom line. I, I hated it for him because I know Army played so well. I wanted it for him. But yes, that's about the only pick I got right last year, but I, it probably was my number one confidence pick. And uh, last week, it was my number one confidence pick. You know, it did give me a throwback. I don't know if anybody else did this. I remember going to West Point in 2004. A buddy and I, we flew up to New York. We stayed in, in New York City for two days. It was when the Yankees were in the World Series. Uh, and then we took a ferry <laughs> up the Hudson on an October morning up the river. And we and we and they dropped us off at West Point. The ferry had an open bar and brunch for $25. And it, that was inclusive for your trip, your open bar, and your brunch for 25 bucks and the tailgating was amazing the people were so hospitable so i know oklahoma plays at army next year so if you're an ou fan go to that game it's a once in a lifetime experience where they walk you around and like that's where george washington won the thin blue line and you're like oh well that's a little more important than anything that we have that we see on any given day i'm like oh thank you father of our nation we will appreciate that so yeah It's it's really a cool stadium the way it sits right there on the Hudson and it's just a that part of the country. My my wife's uh, uncle, her whole, whole family lives in Connecticut, Massachusetts, but they live in, in her uncle lives in Connecticut. We flew into New York Stewart, which is pretty close to West Point, and went by the campus and man, it's just the, that camp is just beautiful. I mean, that West Point is just beautiful. The the hills, the trees, everything about it, and just the West Stadium sits on the river. It's it's really really nice. But man, I again I give it to Army as. It, they're fun to watch. They're they're just they're very uh, just meticulous in what they do. Offense, the wishbone is just marvelous to watch. The troll option, it, it is great. And sometimes when the pass, it's equally as uh, <laughs> I don't know how to describe. It, just it, it's bad when they try to pass the football. But they're going to win a lot of games this year. I think they're going to win eight to ten games and in, in being a, a decent bowl game. Yeah, it would be great uh, for Army like to come back, back to Fort Worth. I know that that's to, one of the spots that um, that they have a kind of a connection with. So hopefully, Fort Worth, you're able to host um, Army again. Man, that that the, the cadets are fun to watch. That is a fun place to go watch play football uh, to go watch football. And if they get to Fort Worth again, go watch them. All right, let's flip to some other games, especially around those that we had some high confidence in picking. I picked Army to to cover and said that they were definitely going to win or had a really good shot at win. They covered, didn't win. That's all right. Daniel, you picked West Virginia to beat Missouri. Uh, tell me, how did that work out for you? That's one way to put it. I didn't know they were that crappy. There, that's all I had to say. I didn't know. Well, this is a, a Missouri team that had lost to Wyoming the week before. I know Kelly Bryant had put up some big numbers. but right. I think that's what kind of influenced it is like, okay, Missouri's never all that great. No, I was that, you know, sometimes they win the, the East or whatever. Um, but come on, you lose to Wyoming. And I'm like, West Virginia, how bad could it be? Yeah, it's pretty bad. So thanks a lot for making me look really stupid. Yeah, yeah I don't think West Virginia is going to have a good year. Someone else picked West Virginia. Oh, who's that? I thought you did. I did. I picked West Virginia. I did. Yeah, I was wrong on that one. Who did you pick? 
Missouri. Missouri. Jeremy had the he's he's an SEC homer. SEC bias is just uh, <laughs> leak leaking through. You want to expand the playoffs so the SEC can get nine teams into an eighteen playoff. So no, yes. I just I saw Troy. I, I saw uh, not Troy, but uh, I was thinking of Troy because Neil Brown. But Neil I saw Brown. West Virginia score uh, against James Madison, which James Madison's a pretty good school FCS program. Yeah, but they struggled, man. They struggled they, offensively, and and I thought this was a chance for. I knew Missouri wasn't that bad. I mean, they they did score over thirty points against Wyoming. Uh, I, I believe it was on the on the road up there, but I, I knew they would get it turned around at home against West Virginia. Well, I think we can all agree that Dana got out while the getting was good. Houston got a nice story. They pulled a P five coach. Dana gets to go down there and uh, you know gamble and drink and. I mean, Red Bull, of course, and recruit Houston. But yeah, that was a uh, that was an interesting time for Dana to get out of there. Had a really good season. All his weapons were gone, and he's out the door back to Houston with the what's what's his name? Uh, Fertitta, the the owner of the Rockets. He's the he's basically the T Boone Pickens of, of University of Houston. So yeah, West Virginia is in for a rough year in the Big Twelve. Rough year in the Big Twelve. All right, well, let's talk about the games that everyone was watching. Let's start with the the Clemson against Texas A&M. The Aggies travel out there to South Carolina. Uh, hey, I got to give uh, Jimbo credit, man. He fought hard for that backdoor cover. And you never know how a backdoor cover can just, like, motivate a team to move forward and, and rebound. But that game was in uh, – Clemson controlled that game the entire way. I never felt like AM was seriously challenging to to take the lead or to win that game uh, minus a drive or two early. But Clemson looked good. Aggie is is clearly not a top-five team. They're not a top-ten team. And these things are going to go as I predict. They've got talent. They've got ability. But they're going to lose to Clemson. They're going to lose to Georgia. They're going to lose to Alabama. They're going to lose to LSU. They'll probably lose to someone else like Auburn or, uh, you know, Mississippi State or something like that. So I'm not I'm not convinced that the Aggies showed us anything other than that they are not a top 10 program. Did you either of you guys get to see the Clemson Texas A&M game and have any thoughts on that? I watched some of it early. And like you said, I thought they played decent early on, but there was never a point where I thought A&M was going to have a chance to really win it, especially after the first quarter. I, I thought obviously the talent level is much higher at Clemson. A&M's getting there, but they're still – anyone thinking that this was their year to get into the playoffs, I, I think you're going to have a hard uh, slap of reality in your face. I mean, it's just not just not going to happen this year. I'm, I know, obviously, there was a lot of hype and everything around uh, the offensive guys coming back, but I think A&M will improve this year. I think they're an 8-9 win team, but they're not going to be in, in the mention of bringing home an SEC championship at all. No, I think that's fair, and I think that Kellen Mond has, has kind of showed his ceiling. He's got some great moments. Uh, sometimes he's able to pull off some acrobatic plays, but I just don't think he's going to be able to cut the mustard to be able to get them to eight to, to, to be on eight wins this season. So, interesting to see what happens with with the Aggies. Is there any debate that Clemson's number one in your mind, Jeremy? Uh, man, I don't know. There's that top five, top six group of teams is is pretty close to one another. Um, I, I was impressed with with obviously LSU, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, Georgia still impresses me. Ohio State scoring a lot. Uh, Alabama, of course. I mean, there's there's just some some really good teams. It's I, I think until you knock them off the pedestal, you gotta you gotta say they're the top team in college football. But they're gonna have some tests. They're gonna have some tests. Uh, come come playoff time 
they're not going to have any tests in the ACC because the ACC no. is if if you're talking about what's the strongest conference, the ACC is the is the weakest conference. They just have the best team. It's like when Miami was in the old Big East. That was a terrible conference with clearly the best team. And I think that's the case for Clemson this year. So with the ACC. All right, let's go ahead and get to the game of the night. LSU goes to Austin, beats Texas. And I know it was a one-score game. I don't know if Colin Johnson can recover that onside kick. They're, they're in business. Um, but I never felt like I never felt like LSU was not in control of this game. You know, the the Tigers are able to stuff them twice in the first quarter, right down there in the red zone inside yeah. of the five. That just that that communicates so much psychologically for what what you're able to accomplish on the field, what the energy that'll give you in the second half. And I cannot believe the LSU offense. All these years, LSU has had sometimes superior talent to everyone in the country except for Bama, and sometimes have equivalent talent, but had a Pop Warner offense. Now they have a Big 12 offense where you have all these guys. These names should be familiar, TCU fans. Jamar Chase. Uh, uh, they have Marshall. They have that young guy, Jefferson. And then they have a guy named Joe Burrows playing quarterback that was recruited to Ohio State to throw the ball, to sling the ball around. And you have all those weapons with a wide-open offense. And their offensive coordinator is offensive coordinator in name only. The guy they brought in from the Saints that is their passing game coordinator really does run the offense. I was so impressed with LSU, not just what they what they were able to do on defense, but what they were able to do on offense. So, Jeremy, what was your takeaway from watching the Aggies and the Tigers? Or, excuse me, watching the Longhorns and the Tigers. <laughs> well, I, I think the first thing is I, I don't think either team could claim DBU right now with the passing yards they gave up. I mean, holy cow. I mean, I, I think Burrow and Ellinger both went over 400 yards, correct? Yes, it was like uh, 870 between the two, I think. Wow. No, I mean, you're right. LSU is, it, it's, they've completely changed what they've done offensively. They've got some really good receivers, Terrace Marshall, Jamar Chase. I mean, TCU fans know, know those two guys very well. I mean, th- those two guys had TCU high on their list. Jefferson's a great receiver. They've got uh, good running backs. And, and Burrow's the guy that makes it click, man. I mean, he, some of those passes last night, the the one that he threw where they went up by two touchdowns, he avoids the pressure, steps up in the pocket, and basically he's getting hit when he releases the ball. And it was just a perfect strike to Jefferson, and he takes it the rest of the way. I, that was really the, the time where I thought, man, LSU is pretty dang good because in the face of adversity, they came through, Burrow came through. And you know he's got to start getting some mention for Heisman now because the way they're clicking offensively, they go into Austin. That crowd was wild. It was probably the loudest I've ever heard of Texas uh, uh, Stadium. De- uh, Memorial Stadium, that's the loudest I've probably ever heard it. Um, usually they're kind of like a golf clapping crowd, but they were really into it last night. They they were loud, and, and it was just a great atmosphere for them down there to, to be a part of. LSU came in and pretty much did whatever they wanted to do offensively. They, they moved the chains, just – pitch and catch it was it was pretty impressive to see but I will say that Texas did play better than I thought they would they kept the game close obviously Colin Johnson had a chance late in the game to get that onside kick and you never know what could have happened that if Texas would have got the ball back because they were they were driving in in previous drives and Ellinger he did have a good game I mean he's going to be tough to contend with when they come to town uh next month so it it's going to be kind of interesting to see how they bounce back from that game because they're it, it's one of those games where they didn't get blown out and I think people were hoping to 
that they would get blown out. So they would lose all their hopes and dreams for the season. But Texas is going to be tough to contend with. They're, they're better than I thought they would be. And again, Ellinger is going to be the key. If I will say, if Ellinger goes down, they're going to be in a heap of trouble because they run so much of their offense through him. If you're lining up, if you watch them line up at the goal line, if it's within five yards, he's guaranteed to get two or three of those carries. If they split out five wide, don't even cover the receivers. He's taking the snap and he's running up the middle. I mean, that's they're they're going to get him killed eventually because they're pounding with him so much, kind of like Florida did with Tim Tebow back in the day. Uh, and Tebow actually didn't get hurt, but it you just get so much wear and tear on your body, and and eventually it's going to catch up to him uh, in one of these games if he takes a shot the wrong way. So, uh, but I will say this: Texas Texas did impress me a little bit more than what I expected them to. How bad did you feel for Keontae Ingram dropping that gimme in the end zone? Oh, I didn't feel bad at all. I was going for LSU. <laughs> Keontae Ingram's a good kid. I'm I'm the first guy. Me and Jeremiah were actually the first two to ever interview him. Um, mm. Down, we we actually met him at the state seven on seven tournament. Really good kid. He's he's an awesome kid. Um, and and TCU recruited him, and and he was always real friendly and cordial with the media. Uh, I felt bad personally for him, but not for Texas. <laughs> so, so they it was the last time that LSU and Texas played regular season was 1963, I believe, and it looks like LSU won that game too. So, to me, that proves that Texas can't handle the 50 year in and out grind of LSU. <laughs> great analysis, Daniel. That's a great way to look at it, uh, Daniel. Back or not back? Ooh, I don't know, man. LSU, okay, outside of the offense, LSU reminded me of LSU. The offense did not remind me of LSU, but that's a good thing. Um, So is Texas. They might be until they kill Ellinger. Yeah. Who's the backup quarterback? Casey Thompson, the kid out of – he's out of Norman North. To be honest with you, I couldn't tell you because they talk so much about Ellinger. I mean, it well, really they, is that way. What was the kid's name from California that was looking at TCU? Oh, he's gone. Cam- he's at Utah now. I know. I know. Yeah, he's gone. He's at Utah now. What was Cam- his name? Uh, Cameron Riser, I think. His name. Yes, he had a connection because his dad played for Coach Patterson, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's gone. And so then Johnson was a was a quarterback that's fresh on campus that they moved to running back, yeah. and they need to keep him at running back because he was their best runner all night. Yeah. Yeah, if they, if Sam goes down, I think it's Casey Thompson, yeah. the kid out of and Oklahoma. He was even in the portal for a while until he came back. That's yes. the thing about the portal. Everyone thinks, oh, he's in the portal, he's gone. But they just they do that so they can be allowed to talk to other teams. But yeah, that's like being in an open relationship, exactly. from what I understand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from what I understand, if anyone ever yes. asks you folks, what's the transfer portal mean? Just say it's an open relationship. It's an open relationship. What about uh, Shane Bouchelle? He's at SMU now. He's at, he's at SMU. Do you guys know who his dad is? <laughs> I do. <laughs> That's I, do. I just wanted to set that up. That's all. Okay. <laughs> do you know who Colt McCoy's roommate was? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, those Texas stories, Sam, they just never die. They, they never die. I got to tell you, I did not know this until his freshman year. I did not know how sad a story it is with uh, Ellinger's dad. I didn't know he had died at it when Sam was younger. So 
Uh, I do, I do feel bad about that. So they flash to his mom a lot, and I, it, it, I, I won't, it, I won't lie. That kind of touches me, thinking that he's not able to see for his dad to not be able to see him play for the team he wanted to play oh, for. Oh, there's, so I'm a soft, I'm a softy on that. Yeah, point. I mean, for when when I talk about him lining up and red, I'm not talking about about him, and he's 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 by far the best quarterback in the Big Twelve. I mean, I think he's better than Jalen Hurts. Oh, I heard yeah, that. I, I, I think I think he's. I think overall. He does more for his team than than any other quarterback does in the Big Twelve, and uh, and if you watch his interviews, he he's he's pretty cool. I mean, he's he's a he's a kid that you that you could like. If we covered Texas, we'd be talking great about him. I mean, he he's just a kid that doesn't really get caught up in the in the whole uh, talking about you know, the Terry Bradshaw and even Kayla Von Chasen and, and the Kyler Murray deal last year and. You know, you guys know my opinion on that whole deal. I mean, Kyler Murray was very arrogant to everyone ever since high school, and it really, it really didn't change in college. And when he was calling out uh, Sam for that, the way that he reacted after the Cotton Bowl, after they, after Texas won, is just you know he's he he takes the high road. Sam does, and that that you got to like that about a kid. That's good to know. You know, I do remember this. It had to be three years ago, if not more. There was a video on Twitter that had three quarterbacks working out together on the same field with the same quarterback coach. It had Sam committed to Texas. It had Sean Robinson committed to TCU. And it had Tate Martell committed to Texas A&M. And it had like this great story with it about these three guys committed to three top programs in Texas, and they're all going to rule the day. Well, Sam's the only one where he's at. So good for him. I'll give him credit for that. All right, let's flip over to a few other games. We had a lot of other stuff that went on. We're going to go through these really, really quick. I'm going to highlight them. If you guys got anything you want to say about them, that's fine. But I'm going to start with you, Daniel, just the first game. What did you see from Oklahoma State? I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm a man. I'm 40. No, I didn't mean to hit that twice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I didn't see any of it. But, so McNeese State, which is a city state, they smoked them. That's all I know about that. All right, moving on. All right, a couple of fun things. I just wanted to kind of bullet point these. Tennessee is 0-2. They lost to uh, Georgia State, and then they lost to B- – they gave the game away against BYU. I, I, I kind of always keep my eye on BYU, one, because I like to laugh at them when they lose, but sometimes I find myself pulling for them. Uh, Tennessee gave that game away against BYU. Kansas gets beat by Coastal Carolina, which we cannot laugh at because I hate Coastal Carolina with everything in my being, and I want to move on. Texas Tech's looking pretty sharp. That's just hang, my hang on, hang on. Everyone, I know it's it's not radio, but it's kind of like radio. But I would say, raise your hand if you knew Coastal California or uh, Coastal Carolina had a football team, because <laughs> I didn't. I had no idea. Well, I know they have a damn baseball team. That's all I know. <laughs> That's the only reason I know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my my worst image, the worst sports image uh, outside of a few moments in football burned into my mind is Del Conte consoling uh, Schloss in the dugout after the second loss to Coastal Carolina, and 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 and, and Schloss knew that we that was it. That was our year, and uh, we freaking lost it to Coastal Carolina, who went on to win it all. Uh, yeah, raise your hand if you knew Coastal Carolina had a football program. Yeah. Texas Tech's looking sharp. I just wanted to highlight that. I know smoking UTEP doesn't give you a, a beautiful point, uh, uh, beauty points with the committee, but 
I think Matt Wells is a good coach, and I think Tech is going to get a get to a bowl game this year. I incorrectly picked UNT to beat SMU. SMU beat them. Shane Bouchelle, uh, Sonny Dykes. Hey, that's that's going to be a good. Co- that's going to be a competitive uh, game. So let's just go ahead and keep our eyes on that. And then the last one that I'm actually really excited about, and I'm pulling for him, and I don't care. Iowa State is hosting Game Day, and I don't think there's a fan base that deserves Game Day more. So you've got the Hawkeyes traveling to Ames, Iowa against Iowa State. I am pulling pulling for the fighting Matt Campbells with everything I have. Campbell is zero and three against the Hawkeyes, and I think this is the year that he breaks it. So, you guys think that uh, the Haw- the Cyclone fans will be out there at four thirty in the morning drinking Bushlight? They're probably already there. <laughs> They'll be out. There. <laughs> they are. They're yeah. already there. They probably already got tents set up. Yes, they do. God bless you. Enjoy that. I, I know we have a few Iowa State fans that listen. If you hear this and you can get there, get there because there's nothing as cool as game day coming to your campus, and you guys have earned it. So I guess Jamie Pollard has been out there, the AD at Iowa State, been jockeying for it. So you, you earned it. Enjoy it. All right, let's talk a little TCU. Per- no, go ahead. Sorry, Jeremy. I, can One second, can, I want to bring another game up. One game that, that we didn't mention before. And it, and it wasn't on your run sheet. The Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions defeated Alabama A and M fifty-two to thirty-four. Hello, strength of schedule. They, they were up forty-five. They were up forty-five uh, fourteen in third quarter, and that's that's a team that they lost to by thirty points last year. Maybe maybe we should have been reading. Pine Bluff, yeah. Maybe Pine Bluff is improved. I want, just don't know it. I want to get Phil, Phil Steele's take on this. Maybe maybe he knows, but maybe Pine Bluff is the bounce back team of the SWAC. So that's good, maybe. man. That's good. You know, if Pine Bluff goes out there and goes nine and three after taking a body bag game from TCU, I'm going to laugh at everybody. So, including myself. So, yeah, good for Pine Bluff. We're going to get a Pine Bluff update every podcast this season. How does that sound, Jeremy? Sounds great. All right. We'll keep an eye on that. Didn't we kind of do that with Minnesota in 2014? We did. And they were actually one touchdown away from making the Big Big Ten title game. Yeah. That's just yeah. what it reminded me of. Yeah. Pine Bluff, Minnesota, kind of the same thing. Yeah. That's kind of <laughs> – kind of. why, why did y'all do that for Minnesota? Speak because everyone schedule. was going crazy because TCU didn't win very good? Uh, or was we that, were just was looking at the thirty to seven win. No, okay, I'm okay. I'm wrong here. The thirty, I, I got my years wrong. We did do a Minnesota update because we were doing everything we could to look at uh, something that would prop us up in the eyes of the committee. But I'm thinking about 2014 when they actually, the, where I said that they were one touchdown away from the Big Ten title game. That's actually what it was. Was 2014, 2015? They were just a, a run of the mill bowl team in the in the Big Ten. Yeah, it was all about strength of schedule because Baylor didn't have. Anybody. Yeah, anybody, but they barely squeaked by. So it was kind of like, yeah, but we played somebody out, you know, so it was, and that was the first year we didn't know how it was going to really unfold. We didn't, we didn't know, we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. (laughs) Most would argue still the case. Yes. Yes. If you've been listening since 2015, God bless you. (laughs) Yeah. All right. We'll keep an eye on Pine Bluff all season. Ready to talk about Purdue? Let's go. All right. Purdue beats Vanderbilt 42-24. to 24. Uh, Tell me the name of their quarterback again, Jeremy. I, I can't pronounce it correct. I'm not as smart as you are. 
I believe it's Elijah Sindelar. Sindelar. All right, we'll go with Sindelar. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll hear it. But Elijah Sindelar, he uh, the, he throws for 509 yards. Purdue throws for 509 yards. Sindelar throws for 509, and they have 31 yards rushing against the Fighting Commodores. I don't know what we can take away. I didn't watch the the Vanderbilt you know Purdue game. I don't get the Big Ten Network, but. Uh, that's a lot of passing, and that is a not a whole lot of running. So, you know, we're going to do our three. Each each one of us are going to give one key to victory in this game. Uh, what what do you know about Purdue at this point, Jeremy? I mean, like I'm not going to admit. I mean, I watched them lose um, to Nevada, and then I watched Nevada get boat raced yeah. by seventy some points by uh, Oregon, by the way. So, what 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 do you know about about Purdue? What do the frog? What do frog fans need to know about the Boilermakers? Well, they're going to throw the ball a lot. I mean, obviously, they don't. Their running backs are hurt, so they're basically down to their third string running back. Uh, the quarterback's pretty accurate, and they're going to go to Rondell Moore probably about fifteen times, and that might be a lot number. They he had thirteen catches against Vanderbilt, and I'm pretty sure they threw about sixteen to seventeen passes his way. Not to mention the times they let him run the football. So, just imagine they're going to have to stop Rondell Moore. I mean. Plain and simple, you stop Rondell Moore, then you might have a chance. But he goes for 220 against Vanderbilt. So they're going to try to get him the ball very many times. That's going to be interesting, especially like, all right, so how do you defend that? If they basically want to turn it into a seven on seven, do, do you send pressure and play man tight? What, what are, what, what's, what, how do you scheme against a team that basically is running uh, what, what Mike Leach's offense was in 2002? Well, you might you might press a little bit more because you're playing a quarterback that can't really use his feet very well. He's not a runner, so you can take more chances blitzing him. Uh, he's not he's not going to take off and, and and run thirty yards like they did last year against Texas Tech late in the game when what's his face got a long run off a of blitz. But it, it Sindelar does a great job taking the snap. That, that's their offense. They get the snap and he gets the ball out quick. And you've got to you've got to eliminate some of the cushion you've got to get guys on on more you've got to have guys keen on him no matter where he's on the field I know someone said well why can't we just have Jeff Gladney play the slot they have never ever ever done that as long as I've covered them I've never seen Gary Patterson move a corner inside to a slot he's going to make his linebackers or his safeties cover them and I and I bet you Van Zant would be a guy on them uh, in, in several situations we heard how Van Zant could run with Jalen Rager in one of those spring scrimmages so or not spring scrimmages, but the fall scrimmages. Uh, so you just gotta you gotta figure out a way. He's he's gonna get his touches. He's gonna get his touches, and and you gotta cover the tight ends. The tight ends had a really good game against Vanderbilt as well. So if if you just open up a big cushion on them, they're gonna pick you apart. That's that's all there is. You can't have teams just running out there picking you apart. But if I would do anything, I would look back at how they played Oklahoma State last year because that's pretty much what you're going to see out of Purdue. They, the, the quarterback for Oklahoma State last year was kind of a statue in the pocket, didn't like to run. They like to get the ball out quick, and TCU did a really, really good job defending the pass in that first half. I think Oklahoma State only had around 51 yards of uh, uh, passing yards in the first half. So if they can have similar success, just look at how they defended Oklahoma State, then they might have some success at West Lafayette. But it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a lot tougher than people expect. Rondell Moore, Caitlin Wallace, 
both top of the line wide receivers. Um, both have different skill sets. You know, you know, Wallace just he's gonna he's gonna bust the lid off the top right away. Um, obviously, Moore can do that, but he's so much more dangerous in space, in my opinion. So it'll be interesting yes. to see how they handle that. Really interesting. He's- He's he's a Jalen Rager on offense. They're going to move him around. They're going to put him outside. They're going to move him in slot. They're going to motion him. They're going to run him on jets. They're going to they're going to try to get him the ball as many times as they can. Yeah. What do we know about their defense? Obviously, uh, they struggled when they went out west, uh, giving up twenty four uh, twenty four points to Purdue. I don't even know what that means. I'll just be totally honest. So how do you attack this Purdue defense, which is a better way of saying, what do you think the TCU offense needs to do to be able to put up points against Purdue? Well, they're susceptible to the pass. I mean, Nevada had success. Vanderbilt almost threw for 400 yards against them through the air. If they can get their receivers open and and get the ball delivered to them, if, if Max and Alex can deliver the ball the way they did pretty consistently like they did against Palm Bluff, and, and the receivers catch the ball, then TCU has a great chance at winning this game. But what I would do, what I would hope they do, is try to establish the run, keep that offense off the field for Purdue as long as they can. And, and that's why I think Delton is a, a pretty viable uh, player in this game because of his running ability. And that's something that they have to do to, to contain. They, they didn't do a really good job against Nevada doing that when the quarterback ran. And, and, and really, if you look at, the two quarterbacks for TCU, you got one that's more of a pro style with Max, who's going to get the ball out quick. But then you've got one with with Alex. Purdue's a little bit better defending the run, but I, I still think if you line up four or five wide and you're defending the pass, and you've got one of those linebackers trying to get a kid that runs a legit four or five forty at quarterback, then then you're going to have a mismatch, and that's going to be to TCU's benefit. So I I, I think that's why we'll continue to see. Alex and Max both play quarterback, and I, if one of them gets hot, then I think they'll stay in the game. But it, it's going to be interesting. It, defensively, they they are susceptible to, to giving up big big plays through the air, and TCU is going to have to do something w- with those receivers and quarterbacks. They they had a couple against UAPB, but they've got to have more against Purdue. You know, Vanderbilt was able to put up 491 yards, but only 24 points. You know, 420 yards through the air, 71 yards rushing. I'm sure the Frogs are going to be able to run the ball a lot more. So I'm going to be curious if, you know, that they, you know, obviously want to get the ball to Jalen Rager, obviously want to be able to utilize the the strength of whatever quarterback is in there. But I think you're going to see a strong presence of the run game. And if, if Sonny is, is smart, this isn't a comment on, Sonny Cumbie for all you that, that follow our message board. But I think if we can run the ball and be able to establish some dominance on that, keep Rondale Moore off the field, be able to run the ball, be able to chew some clock, and then be real strategic about how we strike downfield, I think that's going to play to the Frogs' advantage. So I think the Frogs are going to be able to put up a whole lot more than 71 yards rushing. So that's 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 kind of my takeaway about what the Frogs need to be, do to be able to attack the defense for Vanderbilt. All right. The one thing that Go they – the one thing that is good for TCU if they, is they've played offenses like this, the the pass heavy offense playing in the playing in the Big Twelve. They see it pretty much every week. But the only thing that concerns me is, and I know everyone talks about this game from last year. Purdue really put it on Ohio State, and yeah, you had a ton of emotion behind that game and everything else. But they they played really successful against a team that likes to spread you out and and get rid of the ball pretty quick. But uh, that's that's the only thing that would concern me right now is just that atmosphere. You're playing up there at six thirty at night. It's against an opponent that is a Big Twelve school. 
people know how good TCU is. And, and this is really one of those games where they beat TCU and that can lead to better wins down, down the line for them. And same thing for TCU, if they can come in and at least show that they're successful against a team like Purdue, which is a decent team in my opinion. I mean, I, I, I still feel they're going to win six to eight games, but uh, you know, that that's one thing TCU has to come in and do is just avoid all the mistakes like they did last week and uh, not turn over the ball. And if they do that, then they'll get a win. I think you're probably onto something there. All right, let's go ahead and um, each of us give a, a key to a key to victory. So just, you know, like what's one thing that the Frogs need to do to be able to win this game? Uh, what's the one thing you want to see happen? Daniel, we're going to start with you. What's your one key to victory for the Frogs traveling to West Lafayette? Catch passes. <laughs> Stop the drops. Yeah, catching passes was obviously an issue against uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff, Swack Powerhouse. Catch the ball. That's not a bad way to uh, to win a game. Jeremy, what do you have? Uh, keep Rondell Moore under 100 yards receiving. Okay. I'm going to go with Shewo getting 75 yards in the second half. That means that he has kind of become a battering ram. That means the offense is in a position where they're trying to control the ball, control the clock, and that uh, Shewo is getting yards after contact. So if he's getting 75 yards, 100 yards maybe in the second half, that's going to tell me everything I need to know. When they're feeding him uh, in the second half of the game, that's my key to victory. Probably a pick six wouldn't hurt either, but I want to. I ought to be you know something that we can totally control, which is get the ball in Shewo's belly and let him run north and south. So that's kind of my key to victory. All right, anything else on the Purdue game? We're going to get to some listener questions and then get to our picks. Anything else from Purdue that you guys want to highlight? Uh, I guess I want to ask, did you guys figure out, do you all have the Big Ten Network? Yes. You do. What do you have it through? DirecTV, Dish? Yeah. Yeah. I used to, but for some reason I lost Big Ten and Pac-12 networks this year, and I'm kind of pissed. Okay. You don't get to watch Pac-12 after – you don't get Oregon State versus uh, Utah. Sorry about that. Yeah. I got to find a way to watch it. So I might buy Hulu TV for a day or something like that. We'll see. I might do the trial run for a week. I might I might set that up on like Thursday or Friday. So I got to figure that out. All right, let's get to some listener questions. Jeremy, you're ready to roll. We're going to do these quick. Let's go. Will Wes Harris be back for this game? Yes, but he won't start. Will McKinney get the – well, Anthony McKinney get the start at left tackle? Uh, I don't think so. I think he'll play, but I don't think he'll start. Quick, how, after your assessment of Texas on Saturday night, how do you think we match up with them? What we know now about them and what we know about TCU? It's going to be a tough game in Fort Worth. A lot tougher than I thought. Any word on how practice went this week? Heard, uh, I don't even know if I want to say it because people are still going to have their own opinions. Oh, let me finish your sentence. Alex Delton looked really good. Uh, I'm not saying he looked really good. I'm just saying out of the two, he still, my direct question was, is there going to be a change at quarterback? And, uh, I was told not at all. And that Alex had looked good in practice and looked better. Okay. And that's all I can say. That's all you can say. That's one, that's one week of practice. It could be different this week. Okay. Okay. Uh, any update on Julius Lewis? Will he play against Purdue? Mm, I don't think so now. Ooh. Okay. Uh, man. All right. I wish I hadn't heard that. Um, well, I mean, he, Gary, okay. So UAPB was 
one week ago. And basically he said it was a two to three week process. And so he basically got hurt that Thursday before the 31st, which would have been what the 29th. Yeah. And so you're talking two to three weeks, uh, from coach P and usually when he says two to three weeks, you better go ahead and think it's going to be a little bit longer. Okay. So okay. that's what I was, that's what I was telling you guys on the board when people were talking about it, I was told it was three to four weeks. Uh, that's why it would surprise me. I, I think ideally you get past Purdue, you get past SMU and Kansas and hopefully have them back by the time they go to Iowa state. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. I appreciate you telling us the truth. Uh, based on what you saw from wide receivers and their blocking, do you expect any changes in terms of snaps and who gets priority to get on the field? Man, I would hope so. I don't I don't know what those changes will be, but even Pro Wells was missing blocks. I mean, even, even the tight ends were missing blocks in those quick passes. So uh, I would say I hope they don't send Darius Davis out there to, to – block on a quick pass because he should be the guy that's catching the ball yes. on those jailbreak screens and quick passes. I mean, he, he should not be the guy. If you're going to send a guy out there, put Al Dontre Davis or Dylan Thomas, some of the bigger receivers, even John Stevens to Valence, get, get some bigger bodies out there. And that's not a knock against Darius, but you got some guys that are bigger that are probably a little bit better blockers. And Darius is the guy that could slip one tackle and be taking it to the house. And, and some of those other bigger guys aren't like him. He's, he's turpin like in that role. I mean, he, he can make guys miss and just make, give your offense some, some huge gains. I think my favorite question, can we hire Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator for LSU? <laughs> Man, he's probably going to have a chance to be an offensive coordinator somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. He's going to have, he, I mean, he's going to have a ton of job offers after this year. Yeah. Do you think Coach Matter even a head coach job? Oh yeah, he should have a head coaching job. Do you think Coach Patterson is concerned about linebacker size heading into conference play? Do you see Holmes or Jordan or Harris uh, moving uh, to lineback back to linebacker to give us some more size? No, no, no. Okay, where's that drop at, Daniel? He wa- he wants this on the field. What <laughs> speed, baby? I told oh, you, mind. you Speed, lost baby. it. I told you we got to wake Daniel up every 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, folks. That's now right. you know. Yeah. All right. Baby. I'm going to get this off. Those were all from the board. Let me go to Twitter here. Um, one of our best uh, long time, uh, long time listener, uh, long time questioner as well. Damon, Damon Hicks. Do you, do you think Jonathan song will have another record breaking game against the Boilermakers? <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Because field goals aren't going to win that game. No, they're not. Uh, he also asked, what kind of bourbon do I drink during uh, the Frogcast? I, I told him White Claw. There's a shortage of White Claw. I heard that. I, I don't, I'm not familiar with it. I was just reading it. a story about it. There's a, sh- there's a shortage of White Claw and uh, Popeye's chicken sandwiches. Yeah, I still haven't had one, by the way. You know, I had two of them. I had the spicy and the regular, and they're they're fine. But I'm not sit, I'm not standing in line for thirty minutes again like I did last time. So you're not gonna climb through a drive-through window and point a gun at someone to get you a chicken sandwich? No, Chick Fil A, churches, uh, Popeyes, none of that. No, man. No, that's what Uber Eats is it's for. Crazy. It's crazy to hear some of these stories when people don't get their chicken sandwich. Oh, man, the video is the best. Seeing video of guys climbing into the drive-thru, I'm just like, what in the world is going on? I know. 
I know. Every time I see that, all I think is Roll Tide. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Jeff. I know. (laughs) All right. Clint Foster says, if if Duggan doesn't start against Purdue, would you consider lighting myself on fire a reasonable reaction? I told him to just go ahead and go for it because that's what's going to happen. Duggan is not starting against Purdue. I I just don't I don't I don't get it, man. Mm-hmm. If he comes if if he the thing about it is is if he comes out and and sucks against Purdue, then then you guys can say he sucked against Purdue. But everyone that is like a realist that watch game, no one's denying the fact that Max has a better arm. No, not one person have have I seen anyone argue that Duggan does not have the better arm and that he's not the future. I think people are thinking that because we're defending Alex because he didn't have as bad a game as everyone's. Just like I said last week, every bad thing Alex does is magnified by a thousand and everything good that Max does is magnified by a thousand. So no matter what, Alex is in a no-win situation right now, unless he goes up to Purdue and sets the world on fire, has a great 300 yard passing game, 150 yards, kind of like what, uh, Jay Parker did with his uh, the video game NCAA football when Alex had like 600 yards of total offense. It would take that kind of performance for him to have the the backing of TCU fans. But I, everyone, it's like man, we we defend Alex. We're we're saying that he's better, and that is not the case. It's it's not the case at all. We're just saying that you know what he didn't play as bad as we thought, and we feel that. TCU's still going to ride with them when they go up to Purdue. That's that's all we're saying. Next question comes from Brian Ninniger, whose uh, avatar on Twitter says, Sausage King of Chicago. So I guess his handle should really be Abe Froman, if you're old enough to understand mm-hmm. that one. Uh, Brian lived next door to me in Clark Hall years ago, and his roommate could have been a George Costanza stunt double. So I just uh, wanted to give a shout out to the early 90s there. Nice. But uh, he has a question. Has Purdue shown anything on offense that will keep GP up at night? And my answer was Rondell Moore. Yeah. I mean, he's he's Jalen Rager. He's Jalen Rager wearing a black and gold uniform. Yep, that's my thought too. And a little bit shorter. That's it. Yep. Speed-wise, the way they utilize him in the offense, just, just imagine – it's it's going to be a game, Rondell Moore versus Jalen Rager. That's going to be the storyline heading into the week. That's what kind of clips we're going to see before the game. Everyone's going to talk about the receivers, the playmakers. That's It's it's going to be that, that storyline. It's going to be Jalen versus Rondell. Okay. Um, Michael Milligan, Milligan asked this question. Is Cumbie going to be on the box in the box or on the field for this game? Uh, we don't know. Uh, we asked Coach last Monday during the teleconference – if they had talked about it. And he said that the reason why he was on the field uh, against Pine Bluff was because it was both the quarterbacks first starts in a TCU uniform. And he just wanted to be down there just in case they had any questions so he can be with them face to face. So that's one of the questions I'm going to ask on two or probably tomorrow or today, when you guys listen to this on Monday, um, if, Sonny's going to be in the box or if he's going to be on the sideline. Okay. All right. This one's kind of biographical. So Jeremy would love to hear it. How did Jeremy get connected to TCU? His comment is he's awesome. And I'm wondering if he's an alum, grew up a frog fan or just saw a beat and he knew that he could cover it better than anyone else signed Jeremy Clark's mother. (laughs) 
My no, actually, that's from Walter, Walter uh, McInnes, but it, it sounded okay. like it could have been from your from your mother. My my poor mom passed in two thousand. God rest her soul. But I appreciate the comment. Um, no, what? I mean actually. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. You stepped in that bear trap. <laughs> I know. I know. Play the play the play the down music, Daniel. I apologize piano, for that. Need pianos going. Uh, no, really, uh, it was, it was, I was working, I was actually, uh, on the purple menace site on, on rivals just, just as a member. And I was a friend of the, the Christian family, Ryan Christian's family. And one of the things that they were looking for, uh, to become a writer was someone that had a connection close to the program. Now I never, ever, ever used Ryan as a source or anything like that. It just got me, <laughs> to be honest with you, it just kind of got me the job because I knew someone on the football team and they all thought I would be able to have all these sources. But it took a good two and a half years, two and a half years before I really got the trust of anyone. I think it's pretty well documented. Gary Patterson kicked me out of a practice pretty early in my career because I went out to a practice and I asked, Jason Sukumel was my boss and he still rides for orange bloods. I asked him, should I let anyone know I'm coming out there to do a practice report? He said, no, you should be fine. Just, just go out there. And then my very first practice report, I wrote probably about 3000 words. I had everything from depth chart, first team offense, first team defense, backups, who did good, who did bad, everything. And the next day I go out there and Don Summer walks up to me and says, I have to leave. And then I talk to football operations guy, Mike Sinkfeld, who's still at TCU and just, completely awesome guy and he said man you you can't just come out there like that you you've got to you've got to tell someone and so it was it was pretty embarrassing to to tell you the truth and but that was that was the year that they went up to Oklahoma and and beat them held Adrian Peterson to 26 yards and that was a that was pretty cool but it was because they were playing Oklahoma that I was told I wasn't welcomed out there but once they got into the Mountain West schedule, I could come back out there. But, man, I was so embarrassed over the whole deal. I never showed my face around there for about a year. And I just covered recruiting and covered a little bit of team stuff. So, really, it didn't – the connection stuff really didn't start happening probably till about 2008 where I started to gain a lot of trust of people and, and just started developing relationships and, and getting to know a whole lot more people. Always fun to hear that story. You you did just kind of um, get that job through a friend of a friend, and you've earned it. That's all I got to say. You have earned it. So, well done. Sometimes you just got to be in the right place at the right time. I remember, like it was yesterday, they they told me, hey, just write seven stories a month, and we'll pay you $50. And it was it was Jason Sukumel and, and Jason Howe. And, and both those guys I'm still really good friends with to this day. And, and, and both of them are still in the industry. And it, it's really awesome because you, you get a lot of friendships doing this. But uh, I think I wrote seven stories in my first three days. And uh. I just had such a passion for it to, to, to cover high school recruiting and, and doing everything. And, and it's funny because looking back now, those kids when I started, they're all like 33 and 34 years old now. Oh. <laughs> that's how, that's how long I've been doing this and they've got families of their own. They're all married and stuff like that. And I still remember talking to Bart Johnson, interviewing him when he was in a deer stand and, you know, Bart's, Bart's one of my favorite guys to, to ever, you know, talk to an interview. Cause we still have a good friendship to this day and 
every time we see each other, it's, it's pretty cool. And Andy Dalton's the, the, the story I always like telling too, because I was actually talking to Andy when Dan Sharp called him and Andy said, Hey, can I call you right back? And I'm thinking, man, those 17 year olds going to call me back, but yeah, sure. Go ahead, kid. And he called me back and, and he said, man, TCU just offered. And I always teased Andy. I, I told him, you know, when you called me back and told me TCU offered, I knew you were committing to them before you did. It was crazy because I could just hear the excitement in your voice. But knowing how good his career turned out, it, it's pretty cool knowing that I was talking to him the night that TCU decided to go ahead and offer him. I'd say that worked out well for all parties involved. Absolutely. All right, let's get to our picks for this next week, and then we will we'll go through four games, and then we're going to give our final prediction for the TCU-Purdue game. So, Daniel, you're up first here. Lightning round. Washington State in Houston. Who do you have winning between Holgo and Mike Leach? Is there a whole lot of drama on that side? Washington State, Houston. Who you got, Daniel? Uh, Houston. Jeremy. Washington State. Give me Washington State. It will be a blast. Next game, Mississippi State and Kansas State. Kansas State's kind of been sneaky good so far. Jeremy, who do you have, K-State or Mississippi State? (sighs) Man, you picked a good one. Uh, let me let me go Mississippi State. Daniel. Mississippi State. Give me K-State. I think K-State is uh, – I think they're going to have a good year, and I think they're going to beat Mississippi State. Iowa, Iowa State, game day in Ames. Daniel, who you have? Iowa. Jeremy. I hate to do this, but I'm going to go Iowa. You're both wrong. Give me the fight in Matt Campbell's. They are going to win. This is the year that Matt Campbell breaks – the Kirk Ferentz curse and Iowa State wins. Next game that I've really got my eye on, Texas Tech, Arizona. The Red Raiders are traveling out there to Tucson. That's going to be an interesting game. Jeremy, who do you have in this one straight up? Mm, Give me Arizona. Daniel? Tech. Give me Tech. I think Tech's going to be pretty solid. I think Kevin Sumlin is just uh, living that buyout life. I don't think he's, he wants a second buyout. That's where he's at. So give me Kevin someone going down. I'll take Texas Tech. All right, here we go. Final predictions, man. TCU travels to West Lafayette. Give me your final score and who's going to win this game. Daniel, TCU, Purdue. TCU, 21, Purdue, 42. Oh, you think the Frogs are going to lose. All right, Jeremy. Give me TCU 31, Purdue 27. Purdue 27. I'm going TCU 38, Purdue 35. Jonathan Song brings it home. So that's that's the prediction that I have. Hey, Jeff, do you mind going over the standings real quick? You know, I, I don't have them in front of me. Okay. Hold on, let me pull, pull, pull this out right here. Okay, I'm, I'm at 4-0 right now. Yes, you are. Daniel's at three and one. Yes, and you're two and two. I'm two and two. Yeah. You didn't have a game for the for the uh, spread this week. No, I didn't. I didn't. Up. I couldn't find. Well, I sent the the outline out at about five o'clock, and some of these uh, there weren't enough spreads out that I could find. Here, let me find one real quick. Here, I'll I'll do something fun on the fly. This is killing time on the on the podcast which I know you're definitely not supposed not supposed to do. So let's go week 3 FBS. Let me find a fun game. Um 
and I'm not finding a lot of fun games. Oh, here's here's where here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, I don't have a spread. I can't find the spreads. It's okay. Let me see if I can pull. I hold on, give me give me ten seconds more. I'm going USC BYU because I think that's going to be a fascinating game. So what is the spread? All right, here we go. USC is favored by four points against USC, who is traveling to Provo. So USC is a four-point favorite against BYU. Who, cut, who, get to, who, who do you pick against the spread there? BYU is getting four and a half. Getting four at home. Or they're, they're a four-point dog. Okay. BYU is a four-point dog at home I'll, against I'll USC. Four. You, Give me the Cougars. You got B, Give me the Cougars. Got the Cougars covering. Daniel? Yeah, they cover. Give me USC covering the spread. USC covering the spread. I am going to sweep this week. You guys are going to regret that you picked against me. No. <laughs> Take my chances. Oh, yeah, just since I'm in the basement. <laughs> All right, anything else you guys have for the good of the cause on this show? That's about it. I don't have anything. All right. Well, as always, we want to encourage you to go to iTunes and give us a rating and a review. Subscribe to this show if you haven't yet. We would love for you to learn more about uh, TCU football by joining Horn Frog Blitz. It's an easy way for you to get connected to Jeremy and his great content, the podcast, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff, uh, the ins and the outs of the program right there on our message board. Go to hornfrogblitz.com. Easy subscription, best five bucks, seven bucks you'll spend each month is by joining hornfrogblitz.com. So until next episode, for Jeremy... And for Daniel, I'm Jeff. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast.